Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and today we're joined by Uriah Guilford. And Uriah is here to talk about us being able to get more work done by doing less through the wonderful world of virtual assistance. And thanks for joining us today, Uriah. Absolutely. Excited to talk to you guys. We're so excited to have you here. I have uh, had a couple of different conversations with you, Uriah, and I love what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're putting out in the world. Yeah. So my name is Uriah Guilford, and I have a group practice in Northern California. And I also have a business that provides virtual assistance to therapists. And I'm kind of excited because I've actually been licensed and in private practice for 10 years. So I'm celebrating my 10-year anniversary. And uh, I've just been really excited about the things I've been working on. And I'm super happy to share them with you today. That's super cool. How did you uh, how did you decide to get a virtual assistant? What was your journey into that? So about six years ago or so, I had a, a business coach that I was working with, and I was always impressed with her virtual assistant and saw how she was using that person in her coaching business. And then I ended up being able to to use that person in my private practice. And I was this was pretty early on, and so I wasn't actually I was really growing my practice, and I wasn't making a ton of money, but I was able to start using a virtual assistant for only like five hours a month, and I had her do some basic things: referral tracking, handling invoices, and a couple other things. And it really, it really just started. I started to integrate that in my practice, and I saw how it made me. It freed up my time to do some other things and work on projects that I wanted to do. And so the virtual assistant that I had was able to grow with me over time um, as my business grew. And that was a pretty neat thing uh, to the point where I would be talking to my friends and my therapist friends. And I would always be talking about two things, electronic health records, simple practice yep. and virtual assistants. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> shut up about it. Just, I thought they were so cool. We're like the same person, Uriah, because I, I started with a virtual assistant too. And it, it does. It frees up so much time. It makes makes it so much easier to get more done. And you can feel like you're really focusing on the stuff that you're good at. That's so awesome. Absolutely. So I have yet to join the virtual assistant fan club, but <laughs> I, I have somebody who does work for me as, as a real life assistant. Can you help me maybe understand of what it's like to have somebody work remotely as opposed to kind of checking in at the office and making sure that I can oversee what they're doing? It is, it is quite a bit different. And at this point, I've had the experience of having both. 
uh, virtual assistants for, like I said, about six years or so, and now I actually have an in-person, in-office assistant. So I've kind of been able to see the pros and cons of both. And there are definitely nice things about having someone in your office. They can do a lot of things that a virtual person can't do. But what I've learned over time is that there are an incredible amount of things that can be done by somebody and it doesn't matter where they are, what time zone they're in. So the benefits, I think, of working with a virtual assistant is that they're usually a contractor for your business, right? So the nice thing is you don't have to pay for sort of butt-in-seat time. Yes. You just pay for time that you use for the time that they're actually working on your projects and your tasks. So I think that's really nice. And once you get through sort of the adjustment period of working with somebody that you can't uh, see, you know, you can't knock on their door and check on them and see what they're doing. Um, Once you get used to that system, it can work really beautifully. How do you manage your remote people? Technology. Ah, we love technology. (laughs) Yes. And Zoom. I'm a huge fan of Zoom now. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. I was thinking about it. So I had the same virtual assistant for five years. I was incredibly fortunate because she was amazing. And I think we probably talked on the phone about four times in five years. So we did everything over email and over texting and, and various things. But now I spend quite a bit of time every week talking to my virtual assistants uh, on video chat, which just makes a huge difference. It really helps with the connection and the ability to collaborate. Obviously, sharing screens on the computer so you can show each other things makes a huge difference as well. So yeah, there's a couple of things that I really like to use. Zoom is one of them. And then another one is some sort of tax, task management software so that you can uh, hand off tasks to the person and then you can monitor when they're finished and you can collaborate and kind of chat on, on those tasks. So either task management software or, and or project management software is super helpful. Which ones do you use? Uh, project management or task management software? I use one called Todoist that that I really like. And then I also use something called Quip. It's uh, quip.com. And it's kind of the, it's sort of what Google Docs and G Suite uh, wants to be when it grows up. (laughs) It's actually fantastic. So it does essentially, you know, document sharing. And then think of like the features of Slack, which is like a chat platform Mm -hmm. sort of built into that. Um, and does spreadsheets and a number of things. I use that to run both of my businesses and it's fantastic. Yeah, I've been trying a lot of different ones and I wasn't able to find one. So I'm going to definitely have to check those out. Those sound great. Yeah. The other ones that seem to pop up a lot are Trello and Asana, Mm -hmm. but there's there's a ton. Yeah. Really. And if you're frantically trying to remember all of these things, we're going to include links to all of these different programs in our show notes. So that way you can keep driving or whatever it else it is that you're doing while you're listening to this. So check out the show notes at the end of the episode. When you are kind of in that place where you're transitioning to a virtual assistant, what kind of suggestions do you have to make that transition process easier? A lot of the therapists that I'm talking to, they're going from having no admin help to wanting to add a little bit of admin help. So um, I think for most of us therapist business owners, we know that we need help because we're overwhelmed and we realize that we still want to grow and there's things we want to accomplish, maybe new projects we want to work on. And we realize at some point that we just can't do all of the things. And then obviously there's things we don't want to do too. I don't know about you guys, but I was always really, actually, I really enjoyed doing intake coordination and I was pretty good at it. But there came a point at which that was a problem for me to keep doing that. And so I really wanted to hand that off. And that was uh, a really beautiful day. But (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a number of things that are difficult for business owners to do when they're when they start to really delegate. And that is to let go of control and to trust another person 
as well as trust the system that you're creating or that you've created. For sure. That, those are the biggest hurdles, I think. What are the first things that you find people hand off? Because I know for me, the first thing I handed off was bookkeeping because I just wasn't doing it. And so I got oh, myself a bookkeeper, a virtual assistant who is a bookkeeper. But, but what are the things that you find people are initially comfortable with handing off? I think bookkeeping is a great one. I don't think anybody really likes to do that. <laughs> and if you do, you're probably in the wrong profession. But um, yeah, I think some of the things that I sort of contracted out to not necessarily virtual assistants, but just other helpful people are, you know, graphic design, bookkeeping, um, those type of things. But, you know, it's interesting that all the phone calls that I'm getting from therapists, everyone wants to hand off the phones. But I think other than that, you know, social media, um, sometimes dealing with email marketing or, mm-hmm. you know, some, some therapists are really good with technology. Other ones are not so great. So they want somebody to sort of handle all the tech um, problems, issues. Um, and then obviously billing is, you know, insurance billing is a huge one. For sure. That's not something new, but that's something that most people want to get support with, right? For sure. Yeah. I think there's a lot of different tasks that go into being a private practitioner and a business owner that therapists don't think about until they start doing it. And then a lot of times it feels like they kind of do it ad hoc. And so being Mm -hmm. able to hand it off to somebody that's really good at it. I always tell people you should hand it off because they're going to do it much, much more quickly and probably better than you for less money than your time is worth. (laughs) Right. No, it's not true. It's a, it's an important trade-off that makes sense for dollars and cents. (laughs) (laughs) Quotable, tweetable. (laughs) So what kind of things do you look for in a virtual assistant? What kind of questions should people be asking? Uh, I'm sure that there's obviously some concerns about client privacy when it comes to things mm-hmm. like billing and insurance records and this kinds of stuff. Right. So on that front, we definitely have a business associates agreement. So that's something that's obviously very important to all of us as therapists, digital security and confidentiality. But in terms of finding good virtual assistants, um, I'm definitely learning that it's it's a hard job, especially if, um, and most of the time, virtual assistants are shared in the sense that they're working for several different businesses, not just one. And so they really need to have a high level of communication skills, high level of sort of task management abilities and attention to detail. Um, because the amount of task switching that um, a busy virtual assistant does in a, in a given day is pretty incredible. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I definitely look for, you know, administrative background. Uh, One of my new virtual assistants, who's an absolute rock star, is coming from being an office manager and she is doing a fantastic job. So, of course, admin background. Uh, Most of the folks that I'm hiring don't have mental health knowledge. So I'm doing the training with them on on that front. Um, But if you can get somebody who maybe comes from the medical field, that can make a big difference for sure. I think that the idea of training somebody who has the technical skills that you need, but not necessarily the mental health background or potentially the the knowledge about your practice is something that people don't necessarily think about. They don't think about, well, what are the skills I need? They think about, well, I need mm-hmm. somebody who's going to understand my business. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you need somebody who knows how right. to do the tasks right. and probably knows more about social media or knows more about you know, the administrative right. documentation, you know, the, the different platforms, the Microsoft or, you know, mm-hmm. even simple practice or whatever it is, like the, the stuff that you use, you want somebody that can do that. They don't need to understand a mental health practice. Right. You know that. And so I think that's a really good point. Personality and work ethic and character. It's harder to train those mm-hmm. things. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. 
as a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. So when you get somebody on that that has the, the skill sets you need, you train them on the mental health aspects, how do you manage like task completion? You know, what are your suggestions on how to communicate with a virtual assistant once you have one? So I think one one really good practice is to have a weekly meeting. And then it's kind of nice to set it up to where you have a, a meeting on Monday and then sort of a, a, a Friday report, right? And then throughout the week, you're you're sharing a task list and sharing all kinds of details about what's going on throughout the week. I think that's kind of nice to bookend it that way. And with the meeting on Monday, what does that look like? It can look like whatever you want it to look like. I mean, I like to review what is coming up during the week and what the priorities are. I mean, I'm running a group practice, so we're looking at all kinds of different things from how to generate new referrals to which clinicians need more referrals. And there's always stuff to talk about. I don't usually put a lot of structure to it, but I know what I'm thinking about and what I want to communicate. So in in making sure that someone is completing tasks, that you've given them enough information, are there any things that you've found that are especially useful in communicating with your virtual assistant on how to get stuff done or how to prioritize? I think one of the biggest problems that I see, because I'm talking to our clients, which are the therapist business owners, and then I'm obviously talking to my virtual assistants all the time. And communication, really, to be honest with you, how... It sounds kind of simplistic, but how to write a really good task, (laughs) how to be clear about exactly what you want done and exactly when you want it completed and what it looks like, even to the point of, so for example, I gave one of my virtual assistants the task of designing some new postcards for marketing, marketing materials. And I gave her all the details. I said, this is the, these are the colors I want you to use. This is the text I want you to use. Um, here's where you have creative freedom. And I would like you to spend about two hours and tell me where you're at by Friday. Mm-hmm. So over communicating really is is the key to that, especially in the beginning. I totally agree. I think oftentimes people will think that it's obvious what they need. And so I always tell people when I'm coaching them on how to manage other people is you're taking stuff that's in your head that you've done before, probably without thinking about it. And now you have to communicate it to someone else. Assume they know nothing. Mm-hmm. Assume they have no idea. And over time, you you can get some shorthand and there's some things that you can assume. But especially at the beginning, you want to make sure that you've, you've over-communicated. I love that. That's exactly the right word. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm kind of a, a fanatic about creating procedures, mm-hmm. or at least I am now. So ideally, every client that we work with, the virtual assistant is going to either refine the procedures that they have or actually document that. Yes. So step one through 29, this is how you do this task. (laughs) Repeatable systems, important. And I I love that 
this is something that I know even in bringing in an assistant into my practice that I really haven't been able to formulate yet is really being able to help a transition from even one assistant to another of having those kinds of things documented down to where it's somebody else who doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. Exactly. Yeah, I'm all about systems, templates, documentation, communication. There's one tool that I actually really like, and you can use a bunch of different things for this. It's essentially screen recording, but it's called useloom.com. What you can do is just do a quick screen recording with your face in the corner. And what I do is I'll go through a procedure and then I will send them the actual video. And then I create sort of a library of videos based on different um, things that need to get done. So not only is there maybe a document that says, here's all the steps, but then here's Uriah talking to you, telling you and showing you exactly how to do it. That's super cool. That's a great idea. Yeah, it works. It works nicely because, you know, some people do really well with written instructions. Some people do well with visual. We know this. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say that even in whatever transition phase that you might be in, as you're considering bringing on an assistant, that at least in my experience and other people that I've seen hire assistants, is that by the time that you realize that you need one, you're kind of too busy to sit down and really break down kind of that early part of the relationship of needing to have that time to develop those systems, have them write them down, have them create the kind of stuff that your eye is talking about here. That's so true. You don't get insurance when you need it. You get it before you need it, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that's why I tell people, like, even before you take on an assistant, you want to make sure that you have systems written down. You want to make sure that you've, you know, been fairly efficient. You want to make sure that you've done all those things because even when it's yourself, you want you don't want to be recreating the wheel. Make your own templates. Make your own stuff because that makes it that much easier to transition to having a virtual assistant because you pass it off and say, here's the system, here's my intake system that I've been using, or here are the templates I've been using to respond to client emails, or these are the the, the templates I've been using for my, my newsletter or whatever, so that there's a, pl- a starting place. And so I think even somebody who doesn't feel ready to invest in an assistant, they can really take mm-hmm. to heart, like you can become more efficient right now. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. And something that most people don't anticipate is that when you do bring on an assistant, whether they're in your office or they're virtual, uh, you absolutely experience a productivity dip for <laughs> for yes. a number of weeks. And it could be could even be longer until you hit that stride to where the communication is good, the tasks are being handled, et cetera. And they call it, um, oh, there's a word for it. But it's, to be honest with you, it's kind of discouraging because you, you know, you're really trying to get something off the ground and it takes a little bit of time. But that time is critical. Yeah, I think that's why people give up. And this is really where if you do things with intention, as you maybe pick a time of the year where you would normally be experiencing that productivity dip anyway, like at least in my practice, August is pretty much five clients a week that (laughs) there's a lot of time to start these kinds of projects and utilize that kind of space in your practice in order to intentionally make space for having the opportunities to take on all these other projects that you would theoretically be doing during your busy times of the year. That's a really good point, Kurt. All, all of my points are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that last one, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what would you recommend automating, delegating, or deleting? I saw you put up, a, I think, a, a little f- social media post that had that on there, and I've heard that before too. But how do, you, how do people make decisions on what to automate, what to delegate, and what to delete? What is your, what is your theory on that? My theory... My well-developed theory is this. <laughs> For me, I think 
I mean, for all of us, there are things that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. that aren't important. And so that's obviously the eliminate piece. And for me, it's often the things that I keep on moving forward and I'm procrastinating on. And then I look at it and I realize I don't want to do that. And that's not important. So so what, give us an example of one of those. Oh, I don't know. I think a lot of us are probably good at taking on things that we feel like we should do. You know, somebody told us some podcast, you know what I'm saying. And, <laughs> and then we somehow it gets into our brain, and then it gets into our task list, and then we don't do it. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. I think it's helpful to sort of analyze that and realize that there are certain things that are obviously it's just prioritizing tasks, and then realizing some of them are just really not critical. That makes sense. I think, uh, it can be hard to delete stuff that we feel like we should do. I think that there's also things that we could eliminate or delete that like extra time on Facebook or, you know, just the stuff that, you know, social media is, is a good, uh, marketing tool, but spending hours a day on social media is beyond it being a marketing tool. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, it's so true. That's so true. It's a productivity uh, vampire, time vampire. <laughs> it totally is. So how about automation or delegation? How do you determine which one of those for the other? I tasks? try to automate anything that can be automated. And usually that involves technology on some level. So I guess a good example on the electronic health record front is with simple practice. They have an auto pay, auto pay feature. So instead of having my assistant go in and manually charge credit cards, I set it to auto pay for most of our clients. So that overnight, it automatically charges the card. So that's one example. And then a lot of people probably are used to this one, but using software to automatically um, schedule and send out your email newsletters, those type of things. Um, Mm -hmm. Anything, you know, this is kind of silly and this is mostly because I'm sort of a nerd, but in my office, I have smart lights and an Alexa, right? And Amazon Echo. So that when I walk in, I can tell the lights to turn on. (laughs) I'd like to imagine that Uriah's office setup is just on its way to becoming the Jetsons where it just like pops him out of bed and just brings him to work and everything just happens. It's amazing. There's screens everywhere and you talk, you don't touch anything. You just talk to it. No. (laughs) So those are a couple examples, I guess, of automation. And then I think delegation is the biggest one. Most things fall in that bucket. And so to be honest with you, I don't know if either of you have experienced this, but it can be sort of addicting once you realize the power of delegation and how many things you can outsource. Um, Some people take that to, you know, from the business to the personal side to, you know, hiring people to fold their laundry and do their grocery shopping and whatever that might be. But in my business, I've gotten a little bit spoiled with this new virtual assistant business because now I have a team of people. Yep. And different people obviously have different skill sets. They're good at different things, which is something we can chat about. But um, so, yeah, like like we said before, bookkeeping, insurance billing, referral tracking, phones, social media, payroll. I even have somebody do my payroll, which is amazing. So just about anything that you are not absolutely needed for. Um, you can delegate. So what's left that you're actually needed for? <laughs> it seems like all that you do is just manage uh, assistance doing all the other stuff. Talking to my friends on podcasts. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, to be that's actually a, a funny, uh, that's a good question, because the things that most of us should be focusing on are the things that bring the most results in our business and or the most income, right? So I obviously still make time to see clients because that's critical. And do sort of higher level CEO kind of strategic planning, et cetera, and business growth type of things, which, you know, I really love. So that that's fun. 
And a lot of people, that's the stuff. Client care doesn't go away, although it may be negatively impacted by the burned out therapist, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the CEO strategic thinking, the business growth stuff, that's the first stuff that often goes mm-hmm. when people are overwhelmed because they get so caught up in all this stuff that they really could delegate. Yeah, because the for a lot of startup therapists that are starting up or wherever you are in your career, it, you know, sometimes your goal is to say, I want to get to 20 clients or 25 clients or whatever that is. And then you realize once you get to that level of busyness, you don't have a whole lot of time for other things. Mm-hmm. Networking goes out the door, right? Marketing starts to go out the door. And so... And certainly strategic thinking. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So true. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. One thing that you were mentioning a couple of minutes ago is having a team of virtual assistants. So this is not necessarily looking for somebody who can do every single task that you would need to run a practice, but being able to farm out to somebody who's really skilled in a specific area who might not be able to do bookkeeping, but they're phenomenal at social media. And then finding somebody to do bookkeeping and payroll and all of this kind of stuff. Absolutely. I kind of like the concept of, of a GVA, which stands for general virtual assistant, which is generally somebody you might have think of them as like an executive assistant, somebody who manages your calendar and maybe goes through your email and helps with all kinds of background admin sort of things. And then there's sort of virtual assistants who have specific skill sets, like you said, like social media or payroll or insurance billing or those kind of things. So, I mean, it's nice to have somebody that has several skills and can do several things, but I think you want the best person on the job as much as possible. Because I'm not going to have my bookkeeper do my social media, right? Not unless they're really good for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) It would be kind of strange. Yeah, A lot of people, I think, feel really nervous uh, investing in virtual assistants or delegating things. How do you... I guess, how do you make the decision or, or what do you, how do you get started with that? Because I think oftentimes stepping into that, there's the letting go, there's the mindset piece, but there's also financially, you know, there's, there, mm-hmm. there is a cost. And you said there's a productivity dip in the beginning and I've experienced that myself. It's eventually it actually saves a lot of money because somebody else mm-hmm. is doing it for less than it would cost out of your time. But, but what is, what do you suggest as far as people who are nervous and how they kind of decide when and how to move into having a virtual assistant? That's a great question. I think, honestly, one of the benefits of having a virtual assistant is that you don't have to pay somebody for 20 hours a week in your office, right? So you can start small and grow from there. Like I said before, I did you know five hours a month for quite some time. And then that allowed me to get used to the how it worked and see the value and then and then grow that. So... I think, yeah, that would be my advice would be to start, like Kurt said before, start before you think you need it. And if if you're not completely overwhelmed and you have like 20 million things to hand off, then start with just a couple things that you want to to outsource. So how do you decide what to outsource first? Well, I think it's either the things that you don't like doing or the things that you're not good at. One of those two, or, or maybe even both, right? Um and I think if we all do an assessment, we can figure out the things that we really dread in our week. And like you said, Katie, it's like bookkeeping is often <laughs> top of the list, right? It's the thing you don't do until the end of the month and then you forget about it. Mm-hmm. So doing that sort of self-evaluation. And I think it's, 
a nice exercise to actually do sort of a time audit where you write down for, let's say, a week, everything that you do, every task that you do throughout the day. And then you take a look at it at the end of the week and you realize, well, first of all, you realize how many things you're doing, for right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you go through and you cross off the things or you check the things that you don't enjoy or take too much time or you're not good at. And those are the things to pass on. Uriah, this is awesome. You're speaking my language. I think, I think the thing that I experienced when I first started getting uh, virtual assistance, and I actually started a private practice when I was still working as a, a manager in a community mental health organization. So I immediately outsourced billing even before I got started. Like that was something that I didn't even try to take on. I knew I wouldn't have time. I had a full 40 hour week job, 40 hour plus week job. And so I didn't do that. And as a manager, I already was really experienced at delegating. So that was something that just seemed obvious to me. But what I found, the biller was an insurance biller, no training needed there. But when I took on a virtual assistant for bookkeeping, when I took on a virtual assistant for, you know, kind of social media and clerical stuff, when I got a web developer or a copywriter, like each time I took on somebody new, there was a lot of stuff I felt like I needed to explain about being a therapist. There's a lot of stuff I felt like I had to explain related to my systems. I obviously had to refine my systems. But the thing I like about what you're developing, Uriah, is that you've got you've got the training to tell them how to run a therapy practice. And so, you know, shameless plug, I'd love to hear kind of how you start and walk the new therapist clients through how they could get started with a virtual assistant. Because I think that actually shortcuts some of the productivity lag because you have trained them mm-hmm. on how to, to do stuff that's in a therapy office versus, you know, just somebody that has some admin skills. Right. No, at this point, there's there are quite a few virtual assistant companies out there, some huge ones. And there are quite a few virtual reception um, businesses out there. There are still very few focused on mental health and focused on therapists. So I think that's the advantage that we bring is that knowledge and that training. And a lot of the folks we're working with are group practice owners. So, you know, that's what I love and what I do as well. So part of the the benefit and the value in what we offer is that you can mm-hmm. steal all of our systems, right? You can have the, you know, access to my brain and then the brain of my whole team to try to, to work on making what you do better. Um, so your question was, how do you walk them through the beginning process? Yes. What's your onboarding process for new clients, Uriah? <laughs> I feel like I keep on not answering your questions because you spark ideas in my mind and then I go off the direction and I forget the question. <laughs> it's, it's a hassle. Yeah, so it's pretty simple. I do sort of a consultation and a needs assessment with the therapist and find out what they're really looking for. And most people I talk to are really clear on what they what they want, uh, whether that's phones or um, other admin support or social media or different things. And I'm trying to really focus on just a couple different things and be good at a few things, which is essentially virtual reception and digital marketing. So we do that phone call. And then what I do is I choose the member of my team that is most ideally suited for what they're looking for. And then I set up a call for the two of them to talk and make sure that there's a connection. And it's not unlike matching a therapist with a client. Um, I want to make sure that there's a personality match as well as a skills, a skill set match. And then if that goes really well, then we, you know, we go through and sign the contract and send over the documents and all those type of things. And then the onboarding process is more or less, I connect the two of them and then I set them off to do their thing. And then I'm always available to, to do, I actually do a lot of like the tech integration, you know, so if there's issues with virtual phone systems or, 
electronic health records or whatever that might be. So I'm there to solve those problems. And then if it's a good match, honestly, they kind of take off and they, they take off running. That's great. That's really cool. Yeah. And then I get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine that a big part of the advantage of a virtual assistant type setup is that it's something where if you do slow down that you can either pause those types of relationships. It's not having an employee within your practice that you're then mm-hmm. constantly needing to find things to do, but having that kind of contractor type relationship really does allow for you to adjust what your needs are as you move through things. Right. Yeah. There's some flexibility in there. That, that is nice. I think what we're trying to do is, is add a team member, you know, add a partner in your business, a team member to your team that you eventually don't want to live without. There's a benefit of that. And I saw it when I was working with the same person mm-hmm. for five years. Oh my gosh, we were so like in sync. It was, it was a beautiful thing. So, I mean, if you just want to use a graphic designer to do some marketing materials, that's great. You know, it might be one project and done, or if you really like them, then you'll come back and do more work. But what, what I'm trying to offer is a, a member of your team that's committed to your, your vision. So for people who are interested in using you and your services, where can they find you? Absolutely. So the website is ProductiveTherapist.com. And I do blog about productivity tips and software and various things there and send out one email a month. And then you can sign up and you can schedule a call with me if you got questions. And I'm happy to do that. I absolutely love talking to therapists about business and productivity and all those good things. Whether or not they become clients, I enjoy that part. I think you mentioned ahead of time that maybe you'd have a special offer for our listeners. I do. I do. So if you mention the podcast, and I'm happy to give new clients two hours of virtual assistance free. So that process will be uh, a lot smoother. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Raya. That's really, yeah. and we'll put, we'll put uh, any special offers or links and stuff in the show notes. So that's awesome. And when you're checking out the show notes, please make sure to check out our website, mtsgpodcast.com. Check out the live events that we have coming up throughout the year, especially our Therapy Reimagined Conference coming up in October of 2018 here in Los Angeles. Two days of talking about building better therapists. And we're really excited to share all of kind of the how to run your business, how to be a better service to your clients. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy and Uriah Guilford. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code modern gets you two free months.